Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we'll read chapters 23 and 24. In the previous episode, we read chapters 21 and 22, and we found out that the trio had crash-landed in Detroit, and they had crash-landed in a car plant called Monocle Motors. And when Jason went to go figure out what was going on, it seems that a cyclops impersonated Jason's voice and now said now possibly may and Piper when Piper called out Jason's name the cyclops answered instead and the last phrase that the cyclops said in chapter 22 is you're just in time for dinner. So, it could either mean that Piper might get eaten for dinner or that she probably will be invited for dinner however i believe it might be she might be eaten eaten for dinner so but i am not too sure about that but so hopefully we will find out what will happen to her in chapter 23 and 24 so now we'll read chapter 23 leo Leo wished the dragon hadn't landed on the toilets. Of all the places to crash, a line of porta-potties would not have been his first choice. A dozen of the blue plastic boxes had been set up in the factory yard, and Festus hadn't, had flattened them all. Fortunately, they hadn't been used in a long time, and the fireball from the crash incinerated most of the contents. But still, there were some pretty gross chemicals leaking out of the wreckage. Leo had to pick his way through and try not to breathe through his nose. Heavy snow was coming down, but the dragon's hide was still steaming hot. Of course, that didn't bother Leo. After a few minutes climbing over Festus's inanimate body, Leo started to get irritated. The dragon looked perfectly fine. Yes, it had fallen out of the sky and landed with a big kaboom. But its body wasn't even dented. The fireball had apparently come from built-up gases inside the toilet units, not from the dragon itself. Festus's wings were intact. Nothing seemed broken. There was no reason it should have stopped. Not my fault, he muttered. Festus, you're making me look bad. Then he opened the control panel on the dragon's head and Leo's heart sank. Oh, Festus, what the heck? The wiring had frozen over. Leo knew it had been okay yesterday. He worked so hard to repair the corroded lines, but something had caused a flash freeze inside the dragon's skull where it should have been too hot for ice to form. The ice had caused the wiring to overload and char the control disc. Leo couldn't see any reason that would have happened. Sure, the dragon was old, but still, it didn't make sense. He could replace the wires. That wasn't the problem. But the charred control disc was not good. The Greek letters and pictures carved around the edge, which probably held all kinds of magic, were blurred and blackened. The one piece of hardware Leo couldn't replace. And it was damaged. Again. He imagined his mom's voice. Most problems look worse than they are, mijo. Nothing is unfixable. His mom could repair just about anything. But Leo was pretty sure she never worked on a 50-year-old magic metal dragon. He clenched his teeth and decided he had to try. He wasn't walking from Detroit to Chicago in a snowstorm, and he wasn't going to be responsible for straining his friends. Right, he muttered, brushing the snow off his shoulders. Give me a nylon bristle detail brush, some nitrile gloves, and maybe a can of that aerosol cleaning solvent. 
The two belts obliged. Leo couldn't help smiling as he pulled out the supplies. The belt's pockets did have limits. They wouldn't give him anything magic like Jason's sword or anything huge like a chainsaw. He tried asking for both, and if he asked for too many things at once, the belt needed a cooldown time before it could work again. The more complicated the request, the longer the cooldown. But anything small and simple like you might find around a workshop, all Leo had to do was ask. He began cleaning off the control disc. While he worked, snow collected on the cooling dragon. Leo had to stop from time to time to summon fire and melt it away, but mostly he went into autopilot mode, his hands working by themselves as his thoughts wandered. Leo couldn't believe how stupid he'd acted at back at Boreas's palace. He should have figured a family of winter gods would hate him on his sight. Son of a fire god flying a fire-breathing dragon into an ice penthouse? Yeah, maybe not the best move. Still, he hated feeling like a reject. Jason and Piper got to visit the throne room. Leo got to wait in the lobby with Cal, the demigod of hockey and major head injuries. Fire is bad, Cal had told him. That pretty much summed it up. Leo knew he couldn't keep the truth from his friends much longer. Ever since Camp Half-Blood, that one line of that great prophecy kept coming back to him. To storm or fire, the world must fall. And Leo was the fire guy. The first one since 1666 when London had burned down. If he told his friends what he could really do. Hey guys, guess what? Hey, guess what guys? I might destroy the world. Why would anyone welcome backup camp? Leo would have to go on the run again. Even though he knew that drill, the idea depressed him. Then there was Keon. Dang, that girl was fine. Leo knew he'd acted like a total fool, but he couldn't help himself. He'd had his clothes cleaned with the one-hour valet service, which had been totally sweet, by the way. He'd combed his hair, never an easy job, and even discovered the tool bag could make breath mints, all in hopes that he could get close to her. Naturally, no such luck. Getting frozen out? Story of his life, by his relatives, foster homes, you name it. Even at wilderness school, Leo had spent the last few weeks feeling like a third wheel at Jason and Piper, as Jason and Piper, his only friends, became a couple. He was happy for them and all, but still, it made him feel like they didn't need him anymore. When he found out that Jason's whole time at school had been an illusion, a kind of a memory burp, Leo had been secretly excited. It was a chance for a reset. Now, Jason and Piper were heading toward being a couple again. That was obvious from the way they'd act in the warehouse just now. Like they wanted to talk in private without Leo around. What had he expected? He'd wind up the odd man out again. Keon had just given him the cold shoulder a little quicker than most. Enough, Valdez, he scolded himself. Nobody's gonna play any violence for you just because you're not important. Fix the stupid dragon. He got so involved with his work, he wasn't sure how much time had passed before he heard the voice. You're wrong, Leo, it said. He fumbled his brush and dropped it onto the dragon's head. He stood, but he couldn't see who'd spoken. Then he looked at the ground, snow and chemical sludge from the toilets. Even the asphalt itself was shifting like it was turning to liquid. A ten-foot-wide area formed eyes, a nose, and a mouth. The giant face of a sleeping woman. She didn't exactly speak. Her lips didn't move, but Leo could hear her voice in his head. 
as if the vibrations were coming through the ground, straight into his feet and resonating up his skeleton. They need you desperately, she said. In some ways, you are the most important of the seven, like the control disc in the dragon's brain. Without you, the power of the others mean nothing. They will never reach me, never stop me, and I will fully wake. You, Leo was shaking so badly, he wasn't sure he'd spoken aloud. He hadn't heard her voice, that voice since she was, he was eight, but it was her, the earthen woman from the machine shop. You killed my mom. The face shifted, the mouth formed a sleepy smile like it was having a pleasant dream. Ah, but Leo, I am your mother too, the first mother. Do not oppose me. Walk away now. Let my son, Porphyrion, rise and become king, and I will ease your burdens. You will tread lightly on the earth. Leo grabbed the nearest thing he could find, a porta potty seat, and threw it at the face. Leave me alone! The toilet seats sank into the liquid earth. Snow and sludge rippled, and the face dissolved. Leo stared at the ground, waiting for the face to reappear, but it didn't. Leo wanted to think he imagined it. Then, from the direction of the factory, he heard a crash like two dump trucks slamming together. Metal crumpled and groaned, and the noise echoed across the yard. Instantly, Leo knew that Jason and Piper were in trouble. Walk away now, the voice had urged. Not likely, Leo growled. Give me the big, biggest hammer you got. He reached into his tool belt and pulled out a three-pound club hammer with a double-faced head the size of a baked potato. Then he jumped off the dragon's back and ran toward the warehouse. And that's the end of chapter 23. Pretty short, I must say. But I do wonder who really that mysterious voice was. You know, maybe probably later on in the story we'll get to start finding out you know, who really this person was. Maybe another form of Hera. Possibly. But we are not too sure. And hopefully Leo is safe. Considering that Piper might possibly be in trouble. And Jason probably might be even in more trouble. If the Cyclops knows how to impersonate Jason's voice. I'm assuming that they both are in very big trouble. But hopefully Leo will save the day with his big hammer. And will be able to smash that Cyclops to pieces. Unless the Cyclops is peaceful, like Tyson, but hope we we won't we will find out possibly probably in the next chapter after this break. So after this break, we will read Chapter Twenty Four, Leo. And we're back from the ads. And now we'll read chapter 24, Leo. Leo stopped at the doors and tried to control his breathing. The voice of the earth woman still rang in his ears, reminding him of his mother's death. The last thing he wanted to do was plunge into another dark warehouse. Suddenly, he felt eight years old again, alone and helpless, as someone he cared about was trapped and in trouble. Stop it, he told himself. That's how she wants you to feel. But that didn't make him any less scared. He took a deep breath and peered inside. Nothing looked different. Gray morning light filtered through the hole in the roof. 
A few light bulbs flickered, but most of the factory floor was still lost in shadows. He could make out the catwalk above, the dim shapes of heavy machinery along the assembly lines, but no movement, no sign of his friends. He almost called out, but something stopped him, a sense he couldn't identify. Then he realized it was smell. Something smelled wrong, like burning motor oil and sour breath. Something not human was inside the factory, Leo was certain. His body shifted into high gear, all his nerves tingling. Somewhere on the factory floor, Piper's voice cried out, Leo, help! But Leo held his tongue. How could Piper have gotten off the catwalk with her broken ankle? He slipped inside and ducked behind a cargo container. Slowly gripping his hammer, he worked his way through the center of the room, hiding behind boxes and and hollow truck chassis. Finally, he reached the assembly line. He crouched behind the nearest piece of machinery, a crane with a robotic arm. Piper's voice called out again. Leo? Less certain this time, but very close. Leo peeked around the machinery, hanging directly above the assembly line. Suspended by a chain from a crane on on the opposite side was a massive truck engine just dangling 30 feet up, as if it had been, been left there when the factory was abandoned. Below it on the conveyor belt sat a truck chassis, and clustered around it were three dark shapes the size of forklifts. Nearby, dangling from chains on two other robotic arms were two smaller shapes, maybe more engines, but one of them was twisting around as if it were alive. Then one on the forklift shape rose, and Leo realized it was a humanoid of massive size. Told you it was nothing. The thing grumbled. Its voice was too deep and feral to be human. One of the other forklift-sized lumps shifted and called out in Piper's voice, Leo, help me! Help! Then the voice changed, becoming a masculine snarl. Bah! There's nobody out there. No demigod could be that quiet, eh? The first monster chuckled. Probably ran away, if he knows what's good for him. Or the girl was lying about a third demigod. Let's get cooking. Snap. A bright orange light sizzled to life. An emergency flare. And Leo was temporarily blinded. He dug behind the crane until the spots cleared from his eyes. Then he took another peep and saw a nightmare scene even Thea Kalida couldn't have dreamed up. The two smaller things dangling from from crane arms weren't engines. They were Jason and Piper, both hung upside down, tied by their ankles and cocooned with chains up to their necks. Piper was flailing around, trying to free herself. Her mouth was gagged, but at least she was alive. Jason didn't look so good. He hung limply. His eyes rolled up in its head. A red welt the size of an apple had swollen over his left eyebrow. On the conveyor belt, the the bed of the unfinished pickup truck was being used as a fire pit. The emergency flare had ignited a mixture of tires and wood, which, from the smell of it, had been doused in kerosene. A big metal pole was suspended over the flames, a spit. Leo realized, which meant this was a cooking fire. But most terrifying of all were the cooks. Monocle Motors, that single red eye logo. 
Why hadn't Leo realized? Three massive humanoids gathered around the fire. Two were standing, stoking the flames. The largest one crouched with his back to Leo. The two facing him were each ten feet tall, with hairy, muscular bodies and skin that glowed red in the firelight. One of the monsters wore a chainmail loincloth that looked really uncomfortable. The other wore a ragged, fuzzy toga made of fiberglass insulation, which also would not have made Leo's top ten wardrobe ideas. Other than that, the two monsters could have been twins. Each had a brutish face with a single eye in the center of his forehead. The cooks or Cyclops. Leo's legs started quaking. He'd seen some weird things so far. Storm spirits and winged gods and a metal dragon that liked Tabasco sauce, but this was different. These were actual flesh and blood, ten foot tall living monsters who wanted to eat his friends for dinner. He was so terrified he could hardly think. If only he had Festus, he could use a fire-breathing 60-foot-long tank about now. But all he had was a tool belt and a backpack. His three-pound club hammer looked awfully small compared to those Cyclops. This is what the sleeping Earth Lady had been talking about. She wanted Leo to walk away and leave his friends to die. That decided it. No way was Leo going to make, let that Earth Lady make him feel powerless. Never again. Leo slipped off his backpack and quietly started to unzip it. The Cyclops in the chainmail loincloth walked over to Piper, who squirmed and tried to headbutt him in the eye. Can I take her gag off now? I like it when they scream. The question was directed at the third Cyclops, apparently the, apparently the leader. The crouching figure grunted and loincloth ripped the gag off Piper's mouth. She didn't scream. She took a shaky breath like she was trying to keep herself calm. Meanwhile, Leo found what he wanted in the pack. A stack of tiny remote control units he picked up in Bunker 9. At least, he hoped that's what they were. The robotics crane maintenance panel was easy to find. He slipped a screwdriver from his tool belt and went to work, but he had to go slowly. The leader Cyclops was only 20 feet in front of him. The monsters obviously had excellent senses. Pulling off his plan without making noise seemed impossible, but he didn't have much choice. The Cyclops and the Toga poked at the fire, which was now blazing away and billowing noxious black smoke toward the ceiling. His buddy Loincloth glowered at Piper, waiting for her to do something entertaining. Scream, girl! I like funny screaming! When Piper finally spoke, her tone was calm and reasonable, like she was correcting a naughty puppy. Oh, Mr. Cyclops, you don't want to kill us. It would be much better if you let us go. Loincloth scratched his ugly head. He turned to his friend in the fiberglass toga. She's kind of pretty, Torque. Maybe I should let her go. Torque, the dude in the toga, growled. I saw her first, Sump. I'll let her go. Sump and Torque started to argue, but the third Cyclops rose and shouted, Fools! Leo almost dropped his screwdriver. The third Cyclops was a female. She was several feet taller than Torque and Sump, and even beefier. She wore a tent of chainmail cut like one of those sack dresses Leo's meant Aunt Rosa used to wear. Leo's mean Aunt Rosa used to wear. What'd they call that? A moo-moo? Yeah, the Cyclops lady had a chainmail moo-moo. 
Her greasy black hair was matted in pigtails, woven with copper wires and metal washers. Her nose and mouth were thick and smashed together like she spent her free time ramming her face into walls. But her single red eye glittered with evil intelligence. The woman Cyclops stalked over to Sump and pushed him aside, knocking him over the conveyor belt. Torque backed up quickly. The girl is Venus Spawn. The lady Cyclops snarled. She's using charm speak on you. Piper started to say, please ma'am. Roar! The lady Cyclops grabbed Piper around the waist. Don't try your pretty talk on me, girl. I'm a gasket. I've eaten heroes tougher than you for lunch. Leo feared Piper would get crushed, but but Ma Gasket just dropped her and let her dangle from the chain from her chain. Then she started yelling at some about how stupid he was. Leo's hands worked furiously. He twisted wires and turned switches, hardly thinking about what he was doing. He finished attaching the remote. Then he crept over to the next robotic arm while the Cyclops were talking. Eat her last ma? Sump was saying. Idiot! Ma Gasket yelled. And Leo realized Sump and Torque must be her sons. If so, ugly definition definitely ran in the family. I should have thrown you on the streets when you were babies, like proper Cyclops children. You might have learned some useful skills. Curse my soft heart that I kept you. Soft heart? Torque muttered. What was that, you ingrate? Nothing, Ma. I said you got a soft heart. We get to work for you, feed you, file your toenails. And you should be grateful, Ma Gasket bellowed. Now stoke the fire, Torque. And Sump, you idiot. My case of salsa is in the other way at warehouse. Don't tell me you expect to eat these demigods without salsa. Yes, Ma, Sump said. I mean, no, Ma. I mean, go get it. Ma Gasket picked up a nearby truck chassis and slammed it over Sump's head. Some crumpled to his knees. Leo was sure a hit like that would kill him. But Sump apparently got hit by trucks a lot. He managed to push the chassis off his head. Then he staggered to his feet and ran off to fetch the salsa. Now's the time, Leo thought, while they're separated. He finished wiring the second machine and moved toward a third. As he dashed between robotic arms and the Cyclops didn't see him, but Piper did. Her expression turned from terror to disbelief, and she gasped. Ma Gasket turned to her. What's the matter, girl? So fragile I broke you? Thankfully, Piper was a quick thinker. She looked, she looked away from Leo and said, I think it's my ribs, ma'am. If I'm busted up inside, I'll taste terrible. Ma Gasket bellowed with laughter. Ha <laughs> ha, good one. Last year we ate? Remember him, Torque? Son of Mercury, wasn't he? Yes, ma, Torque said. Tasty, a little bit stringy. He tried a trick like that. Said he was on medication, but he tasted fine. Tasted like mutton, Torque recalled. Purple shirt, talked in Latin? Yes, a bit stringy, but good. Leo's fingers froze on the maintenance panel. Apparently, Piper was having the same thought he was, because she asked, Purple shirt? Latin? Good eating, Ma, Gask- Ma Gasket said fondly. Point is, girl, we're not as dumb as people think. We're not falling for the stupid tricks and riddles. Not us, Northern Cyclops. 
Leo forced himself back to work, but his mind was racing. A kid who spoke Latin had been caught here? In a purple shirt like Jason's? He didn't know what that meant, but he had to leave the interrogation to Piper if he was going to have any chance of defeating these monsters. He had to move fast before Sump came back with the salsa. He looked up at the S-engine block suspended right above the Cyclops campsite. He wished that he could use it that he could use that. It would make a great weapon, but the crane holding it was on the opposite side of the conveyor belt. There was no way Leo could get over there without being seen, and besides, he was running short on time. The last part of his plan was the trickiest. From his tool belt, he summoned some wires, a radio adapter, and a small screwdriver and started to build a universal remote. For the first time, he said a silent thank you to his dad, Hephaestus, for the magical tool belt. Get me out of here, he prayed, and maybe you're not such a jerk. Piper kept talking, laying on the praise. Oh, I've heard about the Northern Cyclops, which Leo figured was bull, but she sounded convincing. I never knew you were so big and clever. Flattery won't work either, Ma Gasket said, though she sounded pleased. It's true, you'll be breakfast for the best Cyclops around. But aren't you? aren't Cyclops good? Piper asked. I thought you made weapons for the gods. Bah! I'm very good. Good at eating people, good at smashing, and good at building things, yes, but not for the gods. Our cousin, the Elder Cyclops, they do this, yes, thinking they're so high and mighty because they're a few thousand years older. Then there's our southern cousins living on islands and tending sheep. Morons. But we, Hyperborean Cyclops, the northern clan, we're the best. Founded monocle mortars in this old factory. The best weapons, armor, chariots, fuel-efficient SUVs. And yet, bah, forced to shut down. Laid off most of our tribe. The war was too quick. Titans lost. No good. No more need for Cyclops weapons. Oh no, Piper sympathized. I'm sure you made some amazing weapons. Tor grinned. Squeaky Warhammer! He picked up a large pole with an accordion-looking metal box on the end. He slammed it against the floor and the cement cracked, but there was also a sound like the world's largest rubber ducky getting stomped. Terrifying, Piper said. Torque looked pleased. Not as good as the exploding axe, but this one can be used more than once. Can I see it? Piper asked. If you could just free my hands. Torque stepped forward eagerly, but Ma Gasket said, Stupid! She's tricking you again. Enough talk. Slay the boy first before he dies on his own. I like my meat fresh. No! Leo's fingers flew, connecting the wires for the remote. Just a few more minutes. Hey, wait! Piper said, trying to get the Cyclops' attention. Hey, can I just ask? The wires sparked in Leo's hands. The Cyclops froze and turned in his direction, then Torque picked up a truck and threw it at him. Leo rolled as the truck steamrolled over the machinery. If he'd been half a second slower, he would have been smashed. He got to his feet and Ma Gasket spotted him. She yelled, Torque, you pathetic excuse for a cyclops, get him! Torque barreled toward him. Leo frantically gunned the toggle on his makeshift remote. Torque was 50 feet away. 20 feet. Then the first robotic arm worked to life. A three-ton yellow metal claw slammed the uh, cyclops in the back so hard, he landed flat on his face. Before Tor could recover, a, the robotic hand grabbed him by one leg and hurled him straight up. Ah! 
Torque rocketed into the gloom. The ceiling was too dark and too high to see exactly what happened, but judging from the harsh metal clang, Leo guessed the Cyclops had hit one of the support girders. Torque never came down. Instead, yellow dust rained to the floor. Torque had disintegrated. Ma Gasket stared at Leo in shock. My son. You. You. As if on cue, Sump lumbered into the firelight with a case of salsa. Ma, I got the extra spicy... He never finished his sentence. Leo spun the remote's toggle and the second robotic arm whacked Sump in the chest. The salsa case exploded like a piñata and Sump flew backward, right into the base of Leo's third machine. Sump may have been immune to getting hit with truck chassis, but he wasn't immune to robotic arms that could deliver 10,000 pounds of force. The third crane arm slammed him against the floor so hard he exploded to dust like a broken flour sack. Two Cyclops down. Leo was beginning to feel like Commander Toolbelt when Ma, Ma Gasket locked her eye on him. She grabbed the nearest crane arm and ripped it off its pedestal with a savage roar. You bust my boys. Only I get to bust my boys. Leo punched a button and the two remaining arms swung into action. Ma Gasket caught the first one and tore it in half. The second arm smacked her in the head, but that only seemed to make her mad. She grabbed it by the clams, ripped it free, and swung it like a baseball bat. It missed Piper and Jason by an inch, then Ma Gasket let it go, spinning toward Leo. He yelped and rolled to one side as it demolished the machine next to him. Leo started to realize that an angry Cyclops mother was not something he wanted to fight with the Universal Remote and the screwdriver. The future for Commander Two-Belt was not looking so hot. She stood about 20 feet from him now, next to the cooking fire. Her fists were clenched, her teeth bared. She looked ridiculous in her chainmail moo-moo and her greasy pigtails. But given the murderous glare in her huge red eye and the fact that she was 12 feet tall, Leo wasn't laughing. Any more tricks, demigod? Mogaska demanded. Leo glanced up. The engine block suspended on the chain. If only he had time to rig it. If only he could get Ma Gasket to take one step forward. The chain itself, that one link. Leo shouldn't have been able to see it, especially from so far down, but his senses told him there was metal fatigue. Heck yeah, I got tricks! Leo raises remote control. Take one more step and I'll destroy you with fire. Ma Gasket laughed. Who would you? Cyclops are immune to fire, you idiot, but if you wish to play with flames, let me help. She scooped red-hot coals into her bare hands and flung them at Leo. They landed all around his feet. You missed, he said incredulously. Then Ma Gasket grinned and picked up a barrel next to the truck. Leo had just had time to read the stenciled word on the side. Kerosene. Before Ma Gasket threw it, the barrel split on the floor in front of him, spilling lighter fluid everywhere. Coals sparked. Leo closed his eyes and Piper screamed, No! A firestorm erupted around him. When Leo opened his eyes, he was bathed in flames swirling 20 feet into the air. Ma Gasket shrieked with delight, but Leo didn't offer the fire any good fuel. The kerosene burned off, dying down to small fiery patches on the floor. Piper gasped. Leo? Ma Gasket looked astonished. You live? Then she took that extra step forward, which put her right where Leo wanted. 
The son of Hephaestus, Leo said, and I warned you I'd destroy you with fire. He pointed one finger in the air and summoned all his will. He never tried to do anything so focused and intense, but he shot a bolt of white-hot flames at the chain suspending the engine block above the Cyclops' head, aiming for the link that looked weaker than the rest. The flames died. Nothing happened. Ma Gasket laughed. An impressive try, son of Hephaestus. It's been many centuries since I saw a fire user. You'll make a spicy appetizer. The chain snapped. That single link heated beyond its tolerance point, and the engine block fell, deadly and silent. I don't think so, Leo said. Ma Gasket didn't even have time to look up. Smash! No more Cyclops. Just a pile of dust under a five-ton engine block. Not immune to engines, huh? Leo said. Booyah! Then he fell to his knees, his head buzzing. After a few minutes, he realized Piper was calling his name. Leo, are you all right? Can you move? He stumbled to his feet. He never tried to summon such an intense fire before, and it had left him completely drained. It took him a long time to get Piper down from her chains, then together they lowered Jason, who was still unconscious. Piper managed to trickle a little nectar into his mouth, and he groaned. The welt on his head started to shrink, and his color came back a little. Yeah, he's got a nice thick skull, Leo said. I think he's gonna be fine. Thank God, so Piper sighed. And she looked at Leo with something like fear. How did you... The fire... Have you always... Leo looked down. Always, he said. I'm a freaking menace. Sorry, I should have told you guys sooner, but... Sorry? Piper punched his arm. When he looked up, she was grinning. That was amazing, Valdez. You saved our lives. What are you sorry about? Leo blinked. He started to smile, but his sense of relief was ruined when he noticed something next to Piper's foot. Yellow dust. The powdered remains of one of the Cyclops, maybe Torque, was shifting across the floor like an invisible wind, pushing it back together. They're forming again, Leo said. Look. Piper stepped away from the dust. That's not possible. Annabeth told me monsters dissipate when they're killed. They can go back to Tartarus and can't return for a long time. Well, nobody told the dust that. Leo watched as it collected into a pile, then slowly spread out, forming a shape with arms and legs. Oh god, Piper turned pale. Boreas said something about this, the earth yielding, yielding up horrors. When monsters no longer stand Tartarus and souls are no longer confined to Hades, how long do you think we have? Leo thought about the face that had formed in the ground outside, the sleeping woman who was definitely a horror from the earth. I don't know, he said. But we need to get out of here. And that's the end of chapter 24. Next next week, we'll start reading chapter 25 and 26. And hopefully, they're able to escape in time. And it's really surprising how that Cyclops was able to, um, like, you know, form really, like, come back in, into the form really fast. And maybe that might be with the quest. That might have to relate with the quest and the issues about Hera being, uh, about Hera and everything. But hopefully they're able to, you know, escape in time and they'll be still be able to complete the quest in time. And yeah, now Piper and, well, only Piper because because Jason was unconscious. But Piper now knows that Leo has fire powers. But I really wonder what the camp, how the camp will react to that once they also find out that Leo has fire powers. 
but we will probably find that out for another day i do also want to apologize for the if i mispronounce anything i will keep trying to improve on that and other than that thank you guys for what you do and until then until next week stay safe and stay out of boredom